On the website sfgate.com on May 5, the year 2023, there is an account of the violent assault of Jason Harding, actor, podcaster, and all-around gentleman resident of the region surrounding the Northern California metropolis of San Francisco. Harding's attackers were a trio of cosplayers who had been ejected from a local comic convention for public drunkenness, whose motive was simple robbery. The characters portrayed by the trio were identified as San, one of the primary heroes of the film Princess Mononoke, Fran, a character from the popular Final Fantasy video game series, and Captain Benjamin Sisko, lead protagonist of the Star Trek Deep Space Nine television series. San, Fran, Sisko. And I would like to think that this is only a matter of chance. And Phil, I will drop kick the fucking dogs if they come near me. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And it's Steve's boof day. Hey! It's day, everybody. He's almost dead like me. <laughs> I can't wait for the quiet of the grave. Fewer days. Yeah, you imagine that, Steve. You have more days behind you than you do ahead of you. That's a nice thought, isn't it? It's <laughs> a nice thought. Halfway hey, done. Yes. Hey, hey, Steve, what movie are we going to review in celebration of your birthday and your 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 remaining steps to the grave? Oh, boy, we are going to review for my birthday one of my very favorite movies, a movie that I have wanted us to do on this show for pretty much since we started it, and that is the Paul Thomas Anderson epic, Magnolia. Magnolia. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Why is it called that? Good question. I don't remember anyone going, and it all took place here. I don't remember Ricky Jay going, and it all took place on a street called Magnolia. Nothing like that. No, you know why they called it Magnolia is because if you look very carefully at the movie poster, it's a big Magnolia. Yeah, but I also know that he hated that poster. That yeah, Tom Paul well, Thomas Anderson didn't really, I don't think he liked that poster very much. And they said, you spent how much of our yeah. money? Shut up, prick. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth, you little prick. Artie, little prick. Shut your fucking mouth, you little prick. We just wanted another Boogie Nights, and you gave us this. Do you know that half of our test audiences are dead? They, they swallowed their own tongues. <laughs> they swallowed their Was own tongues. Was there a reason why dude had to be a child molester at the end? Is it a big surprise? Most people couldn't take it anymore. Anyway, this is the poster. Did you say yeah. you like it? I like it? Good. Okay. Shut up, prick. You fucking goddamn <laughs> Shut up, prick. <laughs> <sighs> hey, Steve, you got it. <laughs> I sure do, bud. Okay, full disclosure. Only the people who who uh, who uh, are patrons got the the full explanation of what the fuck is going on with Jason. So I may as well do it. <laughs> Number one, this is late because of work. Number two, I've worked like seventeen days straight. Number three, boy, oh boy, are things not going great with me outside of the show? And boy, oh boy. I wish I had a friend that it could embrace joy and have that reflect in his in his movie choices instead of me in a bleak place in a snowstorm last weekend, mm -hmm. trying desperately to cheer myself up watching fucking Magnolia. Okay, I know this. You think this? You like you like this film? This puts you in a good mood, and I'm glad. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. I went downstairs and asked the hotel clerk for barbiturates. Do you have any barbiturates? 
I know you don't have an on-site pharmacy, but like, did somebody leave some in their room? You kept it yeah. behind can the I, desk. And, can I know. get a, a room with a deeper tub? Maybe one of those jacuzzi tubs. Can I get a room on a higher floor? <laughs> anyway, yay! Please, Steve Magnolia, gimme, gimme! Mm, I okay. can't wait. Here I comes can't. the here comes the Magnolia <laughs> trivia. I, I, I bet it's not all, all the actors look so forward going into work every day. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, actually, before I get to the trivia that I wrote down, there's um, one of the things about one of the things about the movie is, is it not only do I love it in its own right, but it has one of the best making of documentaries I've ever seen. Who and in the fuck? There's a making of Magnolia. There's, documentary? there's a fantastic making of documentary on the DVD and presume I assume the Blu-ray, too. I don't have the Blu-ray. I just have it on DVD. Mm -hmm. But um and there's a moment in the making of where because of the way that they they had to shoot it because there are so many different actors in it and they had different schedules and like Tom Cruise was only available for a certain time and uh, you know Julianne Moore was only available for a certain time so even though I think the actual number of production days for principal photography wasn't like unusually it wasn't an unusually high number but it was just spaced out over a long period because they mm -hmm. could only shoot when people were available yeah and so they ended up doing principal as a photography. general rule you can't really shoot when people aren't available when people Aren't available. It's you're tough. just kind yeah. of shooting furniture or a landscape. Yeah, and it's not something. as exactly. And if you thought the movie was boring with the actors, you know, um, but I'm so sorry, there's, there, there's a scene. There's a scene I'm in the in making such of a fucking bad movie. <laughs> there's a scene in the making of where they're near <laughs> the end. They're near the end of shooting, and they've been shooting off and on for like a year, right? Mm, and and Paul scene. Thomas Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson, the writer and director, is like slumped next to the camera <laughs> and and the crew, someone from the crew comes up to ask him a question or something. And he just sighs and goes, oh, you guys, there's more to life than this movie, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> you, like, sh you should have stopped writing when you had the first idea out of the seven that you put into this fucking movie. I need you to try to see past your hatred for the next few minutes. Do you know that he could have Marvel Cinematic Universe this? Hey, oh my God, this could have been like five movies. Yeah, this this movie could have been the Avengers and we could have had individual movies for all of these characters. And then the big event is the, the Reign of Frogs. Yeah. Which they only kind yeah. of touch on a little bit as the movies goes on. And of course, you'd have to have the, the one with the kid that pees himself. Um, that would have to be towards the end because he there's no way he would stay the same age for seven oh years. yeah you'd have to introduce him late sure yeah no. absolutely yeah exactly absolutely. exactly yeah but and anyway then you could have had so, all the yeah. interconnections and everything instead of this yeah it would just make it yeah exactly just mcu it fucking rickety monster dancing on my movie screen um anyway <laughs> um paul thomas anderson wrote most of the screenplay no during... shit did he actually i mean he wrote all of it technically but he wrote most of the screenplay during a two-week stay at William H. Macy's cabin in Vermont, mm -hmm. where he spent almost all of his time afraid to go outside because he had seen a snake. So if you think that the movie is too long, be mad at blame, that snake. Blame the snake for doing blame what he normally snake does. Blame the For keeping not Paul the Thomas man Anderson inside. Who's, who's 900 times the snake's body mass. <laughs> um. 
One of the major inspirations for the story, as Anderson explains in the liner notes for the film's navel. (laughs) You're just on fire. As Anderson explains in the liner notes for the film's soundtrack album, which of course I have. uh, Of course you do. And listened to it in the and listened to it in the car so frequently that my girlfriend at the time actually yelled at me to stop playing it. Good for Uh, her. A major inspiration. A major inspiration is the music of Amy Mann. Uh, Anderson writes in the liner notes that he set out to write an adaptation of Amy Mann's songs, and Mann's music and lyrics are featured prominently throughout the film. Uh, so the most prominent Amy Mann song featured in the film is, of course, "Wise Up," which is the one that the characters all sing along to, um, and. That was not written for this movie. That was actually written for another Tom Cruise movie, which was Jerry Maguire. And it's on the Jerry Maguire soundtrack, but it's not actually in the Jerry Maguire movie. It was it was cut out. And so Paul Thomas Anderson was like, I'll take it. Um, Amy Mann did write two songs specifically for the movie. Uh, those songs are You Do and Save Me. And Save Me was nominated for the Oscar that year for Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. But it lost to Phil Collins for his song from the Tarzan movie, You'll Be In My Heart. Mm-hmm. So at a performance after the Oscars, Amy Mann began by saying, fuck Phil Collins, and then playing Save Me. So oh, I always thought that was kind of nice. She's such a good winner. Loser. Whatever. W- whatever. Go, I'm sure they're friends now. Go weep another song into a handkerchief, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Amy Mann right before we started recording. This fucking um, song sounds like she just woke up. Yeah, just muff, mumble it into your microphone while laying on your bed. <laughs> this is my favorite episode. Um, <laughs> oh, this this actually this next one does potentially has something to do with the title. You were asking why is it called Magnolia? Yeah. This this next piece of trivia contains a possible partial answer. So another big inspiration for the movie is the work of Charles Fort, who was a late 19th, early 20th century writer who researched unexplained phenomena, which are sometimes called Fortiana in his honor. And actually, one of the books that Stanley is reading in the library at one point is a Charles Fort book. And when they isn't there a a magazine called the 14 Times or something? There's a magazine called the 14 Times and there's um. There's a, one of the books that Stanley is reading in the library when you get the tracking shot over the table and it's covered with all the books is a Charles Fort book. I, 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 there might be more than one Charles Fort book in that shot, but the one you can clearly see from the cover that was by Charles Fort. Um, and that's where Anderson got the idea for The Plague of Frogs because Charles Fort wrote about that as a thing. That Not the Bible. Happened. Well, no, actually, he got it from Charles Fort. And then he found out as he was writing the script that it was also a biblical reference. So he he wrote that into the script and and there are multiple uh references in the script to exodus 8 2 which is the verse of the bible that describes the the plague of frogs so there are incidences throughout the movie of the numbers 8 and 2 appearing um that are references to exodus 8 2 but he actually got it originally from charles fort and and here's the bit about yes excuse me excuse me just a second alora sorry to interrupt no, this is this is fine. This is good. Alara. Alara Catherine Zeta Jones, get down here, please. Using the full name, so you know it's big deal. You know it's trouble. She'll never, she'll never forgive me for saying that on the podcast. It has been well, her actual middle name is Catherine, but she's been Alora Catherine Ross. 
Can you please bring me the cake and the frosting and something to spoon the frosting onto the cake? I'm going to decorate a cake while my friend talks about one of the most depressing movies I've ever watched. Bring me the cake and the frosting. (sighs) Anyway, you were saying? (laughs) The bit about the title is that... (laughs) You gotta keep... The show has to evolve. <laughs> and that's so it's going to be a cake decorating show. <laughs> so it's going to be, the, yeah. I made a German chocolate cake. One of I the things to... that, one of the things that Charles Fort wrote about was a hypothetical place where the things that fall from the sky come from. And mm-hmm. the, and the name that he gave to this place uh, is it, it, for, 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 for Patreon patrons, you can see there is actually a cake. <laughs> Thank you. And can I get a, a little a little knife, like a butter knife? Thank you. Anyway, I'm still listening to you. I understand. No, of course. You One finds to, joy you where you can to, find joy. You just have to frost your cake. Um, he referred to the hypothetical place that is the home to things that fall from the sky as Magonia. And Magnolia sounds a little bit like Magonia. So, If your ears are fucked up. It might be a reference. Okay. Please um, do continue. Okay. I, I Okay. Um. I have I have two more pieces of trivia about Magnolia. Just um, a second, first... my daughter's interrupting me. Yes? No. Wait until I yes, wait, and then you can give mom a slice. Okay. All right. She asking for a slice of the cake before you even have the icing on it? That's right. Now you know what I have to live with. What and then the you f- and then you burdened me with this fucking movie. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. I hope you at least give her a piece from the middle. I'm gonna throw a piece at her. How about that? <laughs> Take the fucking um, Although Magnolia is not autobiographical, <laughs> the story is filled with details drawn from Paul Thomas Anderson's own life and experiences. Like several of the main characters, his family was in the television business. His father was Ernie Anderson, who was a local radio and TV personality in the 60s. And then he became the primary announcer for ABC in the 1970s, a job which he held until the mid 1990s. His dad was the voice of ABC. He was the guy. Holy cow. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's the guy who would come on at the he, he would come on at the end of the show and be like, you know, next on who's the boss, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. He was that guy. Um this week on the ABC movie of the week, you know, and actually uh, he was um, for the first three seasons of Star Trek TNG. He was also the announcer for the the teasers for the next episode. Um, after season three, Don LaFontaine took over and became that guy. But for the first three seasons, it was Arnie Anderson. Um, I knew it. So. I knew what? it. Nothing. It's just I thought he was clean. I thought he came into Hollywood. Well, Paul Thomas Anderson. Sack on a stick on his shoulder going, golly, I can't wait to make me one of them pictures. No, no, it turns out nepotism. No, he's, he's connected just like every other. He's connected. connected. He's connected. Um, additionally, before his filmmaking career took off, Paul Thomas Anderson worked as a production assistant on a children's quiz show. So that's where some of that comes from. What children's quiz show? I couldn't find out which one, but a children's quiz show. It's Jeopardy Junior. Jeopardy is Junior. To, every, is he, is he yeah. trying to tell us that Trebek was a child molester? Is that what you're saying? That I mean, I, I that was how I always interpreted it. From the first time I saw the movie, I thought, oh, Jimmy Gator is obviously Ch- Alex Trebek, which means Alex Trebek is obviously a child molester. So that's what I always thought. I think that's my only complaint, really, 
in the movie. About Alex Trebek? No. He named a, ca- a character, his last name is fucking Gator, and the other one is Partridge. And it's like, Jesus, you really must have been scared of that fucking snake while you were writing this. If you could, those were the best goddamn names you could come up with for two of the main characters. You <laughs> really must have been scared of that goddamn snake. <laughs> You don't think Jimmy Gator is a good character name? It's a good name for a goddamn child molester. I'll say that much. Well, that well, then if the shoe fits. There you go. Last piece of trivia. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson offered Tom Cruise the part of Frank Mackey while visiting him on the set of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, I know that. And hey, in honor of into the refrigerator just for it's still warm let mom know it's still warm on the bottom okay about 15 minutes i was listening and in honor of, blah 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 tom cruise whatever eyes wide shut he, he offered tom cruise the part of frank Mackey on the set of eyes wide shut and in honor of stanley kubrick anderson made cruise accept the role 127 times before casting him thank you very much that's an inside baseball joke ah, that's all okay. the trivia that i got that's everything? That's, Great, well, that's, no, that's not even close to everything, but it's all I'm no, going to I say. Know. It's a thank you, friend. I don't want you to have to, to, to ice another cake. <laughs> Just to get through this, I'm going to bake another one. Go, I, I'm going to make another cake. Fuck it, I'm making another one from scratch. <laughs> all right. You, are, you ready for who made? You know, why am I? Uh, audience, for the are people, you ready? For the people. Yeah, for sh- the people. Sh- 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 I'm talking to them wow. now. Hey guys, so we suffered through that. So now let's let's find out who made it. Ready? It was directed by Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson, who did movies like There Will Be Blood, equally as uplifting. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. Arguably, There Will Be Blood is darker than this movie. Oh Much yeah, darker than this. Movie. Oh yes. Oh absolutely. But I don't leave There Will Be Blood wanting to throw myself into the estuary. Right? Do you know why I think that is? Why? Because the final scene of There Will Be Blood is hilarious. That's true. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he did There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights and Phantom Thread and Mystic Funky Pizza Man. What is it? The Licorice Pizza. Licorice, Licorice Pizza is his latest one. His budgets have gone down a little bit over the years, but he's still making good movies, isn't he? Yeah. And he mm. also did uh, one of the best, if not the best, Adam Sandler movies, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, yeah, Love. Punch Drunk yeah. Love. Yeah. Um, written by T- Paul Thomas Anderson, produced by Joanne Seller, who's <laughs> produced things like There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights. Weird. Starring Jeremy Blackman as Stanley Spectre. I don't I didn't write anything down. I don't know if he did anything else. Do you know if he did anything else? I don't know if he did or not. I don't remember seeing him I don't stuff care. after Tom this. Tom Cruise is Frank TJ McKay. Nothing. You already gave away my <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Nothing. Melinda Dillon is Rose Gator, who I'm fairly convinced doesn't age that's why she's no longer in movies it'd be a dead giveaway of her contract with satan ah, because yes. she looks almost no different than she did in christmas story or or that's in true. close encounters for that matter that's um, true. uh who else april grace as guinevere nothing philip baker hall as jimmy gator and you know him from tv and argo and boogie nights and in Boogie Nights, he, he plays another sex pervert that gets in trouble. Yeah. And he also famously played Richard Nixon. So he clearly had a type. That's right. Remember yeah. that time, that ending in that movie where he played Richard Nixon, where they find him in bed with a dead prostitute. That's great. And then that he says, fuck him. <laughs> All right. Philip Seymour Hoffman is Phil. And we he's dead. He's dead because he's stupid. 
I'm, yeah, I'm not well, playing around anymore. He was a drug addict, then he got back onto yeah. drugs, and then yeah. he died. And he's one of the best actors that we've had in the last 40 years, and he had to go wreck it. Yeah. Addiction, whatever. Anyway, he's been in like... <laughs> I love this. Mission Impossible <laughs> 3. Talking shit against Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love the man. I, lo I love him, a, too. He's Yeah, you're right. You're right. performance he, that I have yeah. never not liked him. We don't he get... He was one of the great actors of his generation, for mm -hmm. sure. For sure. And I know he had problems, and, you know, I have a certain amount of sympathy, but... You know what? <laughs> but, but it has a limit. <laughs> There's also Moneyball and Hunger Games and yeah. a whole bunch of stuff where he played pervy weirdos or tired weirdos or, you know, not always weirdos, but no. no. Sometimes Great. sad sacks, like in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. He's not a sad sack. He's but fucking what's her name in the beginning yeah, of that fucking movie. Yeah, That's but not, he's, yeah. There, you yeah. cannot apply sad sack to an extended butt fucking scene at the beginning of that movie <laughs> who is he who is he who's he having sex with tomei marissa Marissa, tomei. marissa, marissa tomei. Tomei. Yeah. yeah absolutely and you know, all look at that poor sad sack <sighs> butt fucking marissa tomei for five minutes <laughs> look at that poor sad sack butt fucking marissa tomei was that was that your first reaction when you saw the movie you were you folded your arms resentfully look at that sad sack butt fucking marissa tomei <laughs> oh i didn't that know anything motherfucker I didn't know anything about the character that that early on. It's like it practically opens with that. It, so, it does. It's that's the first scene. Yeah. So I don't know who these people are. If he was weeping, then that would be different. I remember watching that movie going, is that Scotty from Boogie Nights? Good for him. <laughs> Good for you, Scotty. You switch sides. Um, <laughs> Ricky Jay is Burt Ramsey and uh, the narrator. And he's been in uh, Mystery Men and The Prestige and Boogie Night. Everybody, every single one of these fucking people were in Boogie Nights. I don't, I'm not going to say it anymore. Fuck it. <laughs> That's true. I'll, there, I'll, there's a ton of them were in Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like William H. Macy. Yeah. Yep. As Quiz Kid Donny Smith. You all know him. Fargo, Shameless, Boogie Nights. <laughs> Julianne Moore as Linda Partridge. You know her from The Big Lebowski, Children of Men, and Boogie Nights. <laughs> Boogie Nights, yeah. Michael Murphy as Alan Klingman. And uh, who's in Nashville? And I think batman returns he was the mayor in batman returns yeah thank you um john c Riley as officer jim Curing. oh that's something i watched again just to try to cheer me up oh what i don't know why this makes me laugh it is i watched Step Brothers. okay yeah it's not good it's no. one of the dumbest things i've ever seen but for whatever reason the two of them interacting as these literally as child men is yeah for whatever reason it always cheers me up. they are a really good comedy team mm -hmm. will ferrell and john c Riley. yeah okay jason robards is earl partridge hey he was dying while he was making this movie yeah which is cheating he was supposed to be acting but he cheated and he actually was dying of cancer shut your mouth you'd be quiet now okay sorry he did he still died yes he did you watch it. None of these you, other oh, assholes sorry, died. sorry, sorry, guy who just took the piss out of Philip Seymour Hoffman for ten minutes because he died of a fucking overdose. <laughs> That's after Jason Robards gave us what fifty years of movies. That's true. Yes, that's true. And he went, "All right, I'm dying, but I'll do this one." What did he do? Well, I have problems with drugs. Blonk, fucker. <laughs> I mean, I hear our listeners just dropping off one at a time. Jesus, like, oh, this is a little too much. I don't know. Jason's mean and judgmental. I love the man to death. 
I really do. I, he's a he's a, he's a sore spot. I really loved him as an actor, so that's why I'm acting yes. out. Yes, that's what you're lashing out. I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, Melora Walters is Claudia Wilson Gator, and she's in Cold Mountain and Bogan Nights. Michael Bowen as Rick Spector, and he was in Lost and Breaking Bad. Henry Gibson, say it. A poem by Henry Gibson. A poem by Henry Gibson, yes, from Laughing. <laughs> as Thurston Howe, Laughing, and the Blues Brothers. Danny Wells as Dick Jennings. Um, and this is the only thing I selected for him. Super Mario Brothers, the TV show where he was Luigi <gasps> against... He was Luigi, yes, against, absolutely. Against Captain Lou. Captain Lou. Pat Oswald as Delmar Darian does not have a single line of dialogue. Doubt that's him up in the tree. He's the uh, yeah. scuba diver, right? He's the so, scuba diver at the beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, even though I don't think he has any dialogue, Clark Gregg, Greg, as the yeah, w, WDKK floor director. There's a whole bunch have, of... He, he hmm. does have dialogue, and it's three, two. Yeah. <laughs> I just picked out the people I like. There's tons of people. I mean, yeah. William H. Macy's Macy's criminal wife is in here somewhere. Um, as the yes, Felicity Huffman. Felicity yes. Huffman. Yes. Um, Im- implicated in the college admissions scandal that also nabbed Aunt Becky from uh, Full House. I hope they get a cell together. I hope they get Me a too. cell together. I hope Me they too. film it. I hope they I hope they have to You're looking for like a women in prison type of thing? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Could call Middle-aged actresses in heat. Okay, don't you don't shout you don't shout titles for lesbians in prison movies, Steve. You just don't do no. it. No. You do you get a little bit more class. Call it Huff and Puff or something like that. Huff and Puff. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cinematography Robert Elswit, El- and he did There Will Be Blood, edited by Dylan. Oh, fuck Tickenor, Tickenor, Dylan Tickenor, or or Titchener. I don't know. Fuck you, fuck you. From here on out, if you have to make three runs at someone's last name, it needs to legally be changed to something easy, something onomatopoeic like Blarp. That would be good. His name could be Dylan Blarp. Everyone would Dylan know. Dylan Blarp. But he's done editing on Zero Dark Thirty and the Royal Tenenbaums and Eternals. You know, that movie we're oh. still talking about. Yeah. Music by John Bryan. And he's done Punch Truck Love and Eternal Sunshine of the on of the thing, the depressing love movie. And <laughs> <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of the Depressing Love Movie. Also an excellent uh, title. Uh-huh. Production companies, Juilliard Film Company, Joanne Seller Productions, distributed by New Line Cinemas. It was released uh, released on January 7th, 2000. Running time, 188 minutes. Budget, $37 million. Box office, $48.5 million. So it made its money back, and it got nominated for nothing. I mean, it got nominated, but it didn't win anything, right? I had won Golden Globes, so it didn't win anything meaningful. Oh, yeah. Well, it didn't have anyone dying of AIDS in it, so of course it wasn't going to win. Because they had put just one person dying of AIDS. Jason Robards was dying of AIDS. Then they would have probably given him an award because there's nothing him, yeah. the Academy more likes more is than exploiting trendy diseases. Exactly. And cancer is not a trendy disease. No, anyone can get that. Who cares? Yeah. Or maybe Ebola, if he had gotten Ebola or If he something. had gotten Ebola, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, something something that's, you know, buzz buzzworthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not if he was dying of trichinosis or something. Who cares? Steve. <laughs> yes, my friend. 
You ready to go into the world of Magnolia? I'm already there. I know you are. I know you are, my friend. I know. I, I, I'm telling you right now, if one of those dogs get near me, I'm drop kicking them. <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie. I know. Because he says it twice verbatim. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, it's you and me. Let's you and me pick up our prescriptions at the drugstore. Oh, yeah. They're awful nosy, those pharmacists. No, she's fucking paranoid. She is. Okay. All the guy did was kind of imply that she's going to take all these drugs and party. Yeah. And she loses. She loses her shit because this one time that isn't what she's doing. (laughs) This one time I'm going to use them for their prescribed use. Mm hmm. I'm going to try to kill myself with other drugs that I got already. Somewhere. Somewhere else. That's right. All right. Yeah, it's me and you. Go to L.A. Jesus. Yay. The happiest place on earth. And run into the world of Magnolia, Steve. I know you're so happy. Take it away. It's prologue time. The three-hour movie has a prologue, and the prologue is three little stories about (laughs) weird things that happened back in the past. That have nothing to do with the movie. Not not literally, but thematically. They set the tone. They set the table. (laughs) I will argue that they are thematically relevant. But anyway, so the first one is about this guy back in New York in the 1800s who lived in a neighborhood called Greenberry Hill, and he Mm. was out going for a stroll, and he got killed by three guys who were coming to rob him, and they robbed him, and they beat him to death, and their names were Green and Barry and Hill. It kind of makes you think. No, it doesn't. Keep going. And then then there's a guy... (laughs) And then there's a guy who was a scuba diver and he worked at a casino and when he was off work he went to the lake to scuba dive and then there was a forest fire during a forest no during a forest fire during he was scuba diving during a forest fire like anyone seeing a problem with this fucking made-up story yet the fire was probably way over there anyway the plane comes in to scoop up water the plane showed the lake and had smoke on the the water The plane came in to scoop up the water and oh no, it scooped up the scuba diver too. And then it dropped the water on the fire and the scuba diver had a heart attack and was in the top of the tree. That's not even the weird part though. The weird part is the pilot of the airplane was a guy who had gotten kicked out of the casino like a couple nights before because he lost at blackjack and the blackjack dealer was the scuba diver. Makes you think, huh? No, it makes me wonder what the fuck I'm getting myself into. And what is this the movie third, about? And then the third story is about a kid in the 60s who committed suicide by jumping off the top of a building. But as he jumped off the building and fell, he fell past a window of one of the apartments at the exact moment that someone inside that apartment shot a shotgun. The shotgun blast went through the window and hit him in the stomach and killed him. And then he oh. landed. He landed on a painter's net that had been erected underneath that yeah. would have broken his fall. If but not I mean, for the shotgun blast, he wouldn't have died. But he's dead, right? He's he's dead. So yes. he doesn't have to he doesn't have to come with us through the rest of the movie. No, he's dead. Oh. But here's the but here's the weird part. Uh, but the person who fired the shotgun was, prepared, was Professor Sprout from Hogwarts? Yes. Who was also his mother. The bit pretty big 
keep her it's secret to keep from yeah well that's why she know. moved to england and changed her name and you know got a job at a after she, after she got arrested yeah she got out of jail and she 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 you know moved to another part of the other of the world um but hey, yeah steve so, why are we yeah. listening to these ripley's believe it or not tales because these strange things happen all the time and and the movie that we're about how come to see it, will also have tales of coincidence jack, and, i couldn't have been jack palance telling the stories oh man believe it or not believe it or not it just so happens the person who loaded the shotgun was Sidney Barringer himself. Can he be walking through the scenes, talking to everybody, talking directly to the for the and whole could, movie? And he could, yeah, he could come in like at various points during the film, just like Rod Serling it, just like walk in and be like, you know, but Phil didn't order the magazines of pornography to pleasure himself. He wanted the phone number <laughs> of the seduce and destroy system. Yeah, no, something mm -hmm. like that. That'd be great. But anyway, so that's the prologue. And then we get to listen to Amy Mann cover the song, the Harry Chapin song, One. Uh, and it's awesome. It's a great cover of that song. Um, and then we meet all the characters. Yay. And that takes about 10 minutes because there's a lot and of characters. And is the soundtrack so loud that we can't hear any of their dialogue? We hear some of their dialogue, but m much of their dialogue we don't hear because it has to push you know, through Amy Mann singing one. You hear as much as you're supposed to hear. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. She's supposed to sound like she woke up. <laughs> A very Amy wake up, Amy. Oh, what? Oh, was I singing in my sleep again? Anyway, a, who do we a meet? Very, a very funny but not very accurate gag on Amy Man. But anyway, um, so okay, so we meet the first one we meet is Frank, the Tom Cruise hi. character, Frank hi, TJ Mackey. He's a he's a professional pickup artist. What we call that's he, what we he, call him now. I don't think we call him that then. No, back then they were just called scumbags. <laughs> he's just a guy. He's a guy who, you know, gives offers seminars and stuff to teach guys how to get laid, to teach guys how to trick women into fucking them. Um, so he's got a lot of money. He's doing really well. Um, well, I mean, I and, don't understand why he's doing that. You just print up a whole bunch of fake cash. You roll it with a, with a, with a rubber band. You put a little real money in that rubber band roll. Then you go to the bar and you say, can I buy you a drink? And they go, yes. And then you bring out this huge hog of money and you go flip, flip, sure. flip, flip. And then just, that's it. You don't need a seminar. You don't need to fucking TJ Mac, whatever his name is. It's fucking hack. I can do it. Hey, guys, are you having trouble getting laid? Just do what I just told you to do. Now, please send $75 to Jason Harding's a scumbag at <laughs> Jason Harding's a scumbag at. Um, no, so we meet that Tom Cruise is the first. I can't remember the exact order, but we meet Tom. We meet uh, Stanley, who is the quiz kid. Who is on um, yeah. the uh, What Do Kids Know show? Little Peter Pee Pee Pants, and yeah, and 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 his dad, who is maybe other than Jimmy Gator, who is a straight up sex criminal, is maybe fucking. is maybe He's, the biggest scumbag in the movie. Should have been um, beaten to death. And for all we know, was at some point after the no. After the all he did black. was go, Dad. Um, you gotta treat me better. And he's like, um, go, go. Go to bed. Go to bed. Amy Mann's next to him. Is it time for me to sleep again? No. <laughs> Go back to sleep, Amy Mann. Um, so there's Stanley. There's uh, Quiz Kid Donnie Smith, uh, who who was on the quiz show when he was a kid in the 70s and now is all mm. grown up. Um, 
there's uh, Jimmy Gator, who is the host of What Do Kids Know, and, and is still going, is the host, and is 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 the host, and and is going to the doctor about something. That's probably not good. We'll find out more about that. He's got cancer in his bones. Yeah. He's got cancer. It's in his bones. He's fucked. That's um, right. And Donnie's parents stole all of his money. Yeah. And he's, and he's a pathetic wretch of a human being. He really is. He's he's yeah. He's yeah. He is. Um, there's and then there's Earl, uh, the Jason Robards character who is dying of cancer as well, but he's a lot further along in it than Jimmy Gator is. He's like actually in like the hospice stage where he's just you know in his bed, uh, being medicated and and slowly. Mm-hmm dying um phil his nurse who who shows up for his shift um linda his wife mm-hmm. um who is like hi phil the nurse take care of my dying husband i have to go out and take care of some things bye i gotta um, do so drugs she- and ignore my problems yeah yeah um i gotta Claudia- suck, suck so many cocks <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I sucked 15 <laughs> cocks on the way in today. <laughs> the way in uh, from the garage. Um, 37. <laughs> okay. Let's not mix up too many movies into this. <laughs> um, Claudia, who is Jimmy Gator's daughter, who mm-hmm. uh, who picks up a guy at a bar. And, Jimmy or, touched or, her. Yeah, but we don't know that yet. I know it. You Well, we've seen the movie. Yeah. Um, who else am I leaving out? uh the police officer 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 jim is the last one we meet um i think that's pretty much all the major ones that's all the major um, characters there's no one else left there's yeah. we have a bunch of minor characters who are not following. right but of the, of the major players i think those are those are all of them but yeah. um yeah so and and then the movie is is uh you know we sort of we 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 stick with one group of characters for how do you want to do this do you want to do you want to try to do this the insane way and try to do it scene by scene, or do you just want to do it story arc by do story? Do you want arc? to do? Do you want to do story arc wise? Because I think after after the opening montage, the first story that we settle on for a while is with Earl and Phil. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's up Lin- to you. Linda has you, left. It's your birthday, motherfucker. I'm just saying. Well, because well, you might so, go crazy, well, the, or we might lose thing, something if we try I, to do I, it. I, I think the thing I think Earl and Phil is a good place to start because I do think that's where the movie starts after the introductory montage of everybody and and that's what kind of what 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 sort of passes for a plot gets started as a result of that scene because Earl Earl is dying of cancer and he's he has some regrets and uh, he start he's talking to Phil, his nurse, and after they have some conversation back and forth, and Earl kind of cusses him out, which you get the impression that he does a lot. Um, because Earl's says, losing his mind and he's dying. Yeah, yeah, he's dying. He's in very the very very last stage. And he's of done some cancer. very and shitty things to people that he loved. He's done yes, and he feels bad about that. Yeah, and one of the one it like turns out my grandpa the, did, like my grandpa did, but I never forgave that motherfucker, did I, Grandma? No, and you know what? He respected mm-hmm. me for that, <laughs> and now I have to fucking live with that. The prick. He, you know, so, I, the only reason I res- I respect you is because you never forgave me. Now I've got to live with that. I, oh. Oh damn it! I'm so glad he's dead. 
Boy, life's complicated, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. So People are like, we... Jason's so funny making up stuff. Oh, <laughs> no. oh. nope. Show oh, gentle listeners, no. <laughs> oh, the funniest, the funniest people are always the people with the biggest <laughs> holes in the center of themselves, aren't they? Oh, yeah, that's um, true. That's very true. Um so yeah, but Earl wants to get in touch with his son. He has a long lost son who he hasn't spoken to for decades for good reason. No, because not we long find... lost. He abandoned them. Well, he knows. Well, yeah. Well, he. Yeah, I was. I was getting to that. The reason why he and his son don't speak is because Earl left. Is because his, his wife. wife got cancer and he his abandoned wife... them. <laughs> his wife died of cancer and he left them. Uh, and it just so happens that his he son. Left. He left before she died. He, he left, left. Yes, he left. Yes, he left before she died. He left Jack, his son, who I think was a teenager at the time, to be with her and care for her as she died. Um, he was 14. Yeah, there you go. So Jack, his son, grew up and changed his name. And now that's Frank T.J. Mackey, the professional scumbag pickup artist played by Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. And Phil is like, no shit. So now Phil, but, but, the, but yeah, so Earl knows that that, that that's his son and he knows that he's in the area, but he doesn't have his number or anything because they've been completely estranged for all these years. So now Phil is like, okay, well, I guess I should find the dying man's son. So he flips around on TV to see if he can catch the infomercial, but he can't find it. So he calls the grocery store and he orders some porno oh, magazines. God, this movie would end so much different if I if was, it was if you had the internet. <laughs> if you, no, if, if you I was Phil, your... when he admits that to me, it would be just like, oh, what does this pillow smell like? <laughs> <laughs> you deserve to die. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he's, um, he's he orders a bunch of porno magazines from the from yeah, the pharmacist from, from the gro from the grocery store, and, and uh, he's like, "Hi, do you have Playboy?" And she's like, "Yes, I'd like to order a Playboy." Well, first he starts off with a little bit of food, doesn't he? He wants to get like, he orders like some peanut butter and bread, yeah. and then he's like, "And also, I'd like a bunch of porn." He's like, "I want Playboy, okay, uh, penthouse, yeah, okay, uh, we." Sure, we. I, I think we have a dusty copy of that in the men's bathroom somewhere. Okay, great. Do you have uh, Do you have cum sluts? Sure, we got that one somewhere. Barely we'll legal. Barely legal. You know, eighteen plus hose. Oh, sure, that's a popular one. How about tattoo? Do you have any? Do you, do you have any Tijuana Bibles? Do you have, do you have <laughs> any Tijuana? Any 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 dirty like little comics? Maybe like really dirty. I'm like talking. What's the dirtiest thing that you have in the store? What do you read? What? What do, you <laughs> what do you read? What's your favorite porn? What's your favorite porn? Put that in there too. And I glad I she asks, "Do you still want the food?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." What kind of pervert do you think I am? But he's not getting that because he wants the porn. No, he wants to find the number for seduce and destroy which is the mm -hmm. the frank tj mackey program that he's pitching on tv so he finds it in one of the magazines yeah. and he calls the number and then he has to explain to this operator who is just there to get your credit card number so they can send you this fucking bullshit um he has to say oh no actually i don't want to give you any money i need to get in touch with frank tj mackey a person you sir you you surely do not know and and have never met but mm -hmm. I need to get in touch with him because I'm the home care nurse of his dying father who is desperate to see him before he dies. So, uh, you know, that we, we as we cut back and forth for about the first third of the movie, it's Phil on the phone with various people trying to get in touch with yeah. Frank. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually mm -hmm. he, he, get, he gets through enough that it makes a difference. Yeah. But uh, yeah. 
Um, so while that's happening, we also have uh, Jimmy Gator goes to see his daughter Claudia, mm -hmm. who uh, who picked who up a guy guys? at the bar who fucks who who is who is you know she's a drug addict and she hangs out at bars and picks up guys and and you know lives in kind of a you know disheveled apartment and is not doing super well. And, yeah, she seems so um, happy. And, <laughs> and Jimmy comes in to see her. While she's she's still in bed, she hasn't gotten up yet, and she sees that it's him, and she completely freaks out. She won't even let him talk. She's like, "Get the fuck out of my house! What are you doing here? Don't come here!" And he's trying to tell her, "But I have cancer. I'm dying. It's in my bones. There's no hope." And she's like, "Fuck you! Fuck you! Get out!" Good. Um. So as be right before he walks out, he puts he he really sticks a dagger in her, and he says, "Your mother would like to hear from you." And then he leaves, and you're just like, "Oh mm -hmm. shit!" Um. So there's clearly yeah, some shit going on between the two feeling, of them. We're feeling bad for him because we don't know that he's a fucking we monster. Don't, we don't know the story. So we're like, oh, that's it's a shame they can't get along. Um, and then uh, so Jimmy Gator goes to work because he has to host an episode of his his, his quiz show today. And we have stuff on the quiz show where uh, Jimmy is getting incredibly drunk before they go on the air. And mm -hmm. so when the, when the show starts, he's drunk and the contestants are, it's a group of adults and a group of kids. And Stanley, the kid that we met in the beginning is like mm -hmm. the star kid of the kids team. And they've won for like eight weeks in a row and they're about to break the record. And he has, he has a couple of problems. One problem is like I mentioned before, his dad is a scumbag um, who just sees him as like a meal ticket. And mm -hmm. also, and also he really has to pee. He has to pee a whole lot. And he didn't have a chance to pee before the show started. And I was nope. just sitting there having to pee. And, you know, that's and then a he problem. pees himself. And then he pees himself in the middle of the show and accidentally pushes the, the, the buzzer, you know, while he's pulling his shirt down and gets a question wrong. And then Jimmy Gator, who is dying of cancer and incredibly drunk, falls down and they have to, you know, cut to the technical difficulties card for mm -hmm. the show while he pulls his which shit is, together which is him molesting his daughter yeah we should have, which, which we should have which, seen the yeah. admission coming a long time early. it was a clue in hindsight it was a clue you're um, forgetting the police man i'm gonna get to that hurry on i <laughs> so hey while that's all going on another storyline is there's officer jim the policeman Hi, who jim. narrates who narrates his own adventures while he's driving in his cop car. Me and you are going to go get um, Claudia and we're going to drive far away from this place. <laughs> First, he gets a call of a disturbance at Marcy's apartment and Marcy's not happy to have him there, but he looks around her apartment and he finds a dead person in her closet. And mm -hmm. he's like, oh, that's, that's suspicious. <laughs> um, and then, and then the other cops show up and you get the impression that they don't really, they don't really respect officer Jim. They're like, he's just kind of like the guy who showed up and now it's time for the real cops to take over and solve this murder case. So Jim leaves and he gets another call and he has to go to Claudia's house because Claudia made such a ruckus telling her dad, Jimmy Gator to get out that, you know, her neighbors called the cops. So when Jim shows up, She's blasting Amy Mann so loud you can hear it in the stairwell. And I thought, yeah. isn't this like the this is like the most white lady thing ever? She gets the cops called on her for blasting Amy Mann so mm -hmm. loud that the that the neighbors have to call the cops. Um, it's also she opened, you know, it's what just what is that thing called when you do the opposite of something? It's a self defeating thing. Blasting Amy Mann is very like God damn it! I'm so depressed I can't even think. Oh, about honey. <laughs> What does that sound like? Non, I counterintuitive. Uh, 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 oxymoronic. Oxymoronic. 
blasting <laughs> blasting Amy man is an uh, is oxymoronic behavior because it yeah. still just sounds like this. Hey, I got some milk at the store. <laughs> reminds me of you. Can I just say, going into this, I was not expecting this many Amy Man jokes. Was I, wasn't, I. I wasn't sure which avenue you were going to go down, <laughs> like which line of attack you were going to go with, but I did not expect, oh, he's going to just dog Amy Man for the entire fucking show. <laughs> Jim's at the door <laughs> saying, you know, you can't play Amy Man that loud because a lot of the people are dead now in this building. <laughs> they just gave up and left. I love, like, I, love, I love your John C. Riley voice. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> he's very close to AJ. It's um, yeah, it, yes, it is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so he's um, anyway. So he, she opens the door, and for Officer Jim, it's love at first sight. Oh, yeah, he sees her, and he's like, "Mom, pretty girl." Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he tries he tries to be a little bit of a big shot, and he's like, "You're playing your music too loud, and you're going to damage your ears, and you're going to damage your neighbor's ears." And you know, she's obviously freaked out because there's a cop in the house, but she doesn't want to, you know, do anything suspicious. There's so, a line of coke going from her bedroom there, into the living room. <laughs> there's like drug shit all over the place, which she very hastily cleaned up when he knocked on the door. Um, and they hang out in her apartment for a while, and. You know, he kind of talks himself into having a cup of coffee, which she reluctantly makes him. And but they seem like, you know, it's there's tension, but then they seem to sort she's of start, just freaking out because you know, there's a cop in the house. He's freaking out because there's a cop in the house and he's asking her questions about like, you know, who was the guy who was here? And she clearly doesn't want to talk about that. And, you know. Um, but eventually they sit down and he drinks a cup of coffee, which is terrible. And he throws it in the sink as soon as she leaves the room. And um, anyway, he gets a call on the radio and he has to leave. But before he goes, he says, would you like to go out on a date? Mm -hmm. And she says, isn't that illegal for a cop to ask someone out on a date who he's just been called to their house for something? And he says, yeah, it's a little bit illegal. And she says, then I would like to do it. Uh, and he says, okay. And you know, they, they work it out. And so he leaves and they have a it's date for tonight. tonight at 10 o'clock at 10 o'clock. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay, this is awesome. My life is going great. Nothing bad can happen to he me. He talks to himself in the car. A yeah, lot. He, he narrates, he narrates to himself in the car. Um, and, um, and then as he's, as he's, uh, as he's driving away from her place, he sees, uh, a guy about to cross the street. And then the guy sees that it's a cop car coming and he stops and turns around and goes back the way he came. And then he starts running away and officer mm -hmm. Jim is like, Oh, gee, golly, that's suspicious. Um, so he follows him and gets out of the car and goes after him and the guy ends up shooting at him and Jim falls down a hill and loses his gun. And this mm -hmm. is all tied into the dead body that he found in the apartment in the first part. Um, but, uh, so he loses his gun. And that's not that's really kind of a no no for a cop. You're really not supposed to lose your gun. No. So so he gets in trouble for that. And uh, then, you know, he shows up later on to pick up Claudia for their date and they go to a restaurant and uh, she's saying, like, you know, why don't we just be honest with each other? And instead of trying to impress each other with lies or whatever, let's just tell each other everything. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and she she uses strong language which Jim doesn't like. Jim is very But he religious. doesn't mind if she does. Well, no, it's a nice scene because like he we we know that he doesn't like we've seen in earlier scenes that he doesn't like swearing and she is, you know, she's like fuck piss shit cocksucker whatever. And mm -hmm. at first he he kind of, you know, wilts in front of it. He's like, "Oh boy, you sure use strong language." And then he can see that he has actually upset her 
by saying something about it. So then he apologizes to her for even mm-hmm. mentioning that he had a problem with it. And they just have, they have a little, you know, a nice little scene together where they seem to connect. And then she gets up to go to the bathroom and do some more Coke. And then she comes back and, um, they she kiss. was trying not to do Coke before the right date, but then she yeah. did it. Yeah. And, uh, they kiss and then she leaves. She said, and she she says, I'm not going to see you anymore. She quotes it. She quotes an Amy Mann lyric. She says, now that I've met you, would you, she says, now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? Jesus, you killed uh, all those people in the apartment complex. You won't be satisfied, Amy Mann, until you ruin this relationship between these two people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she walks out and Jim's like, oh, that's, that kind of sucks. Um, so let me see what else is going. Oh, meanwhile, so Linda Earl's Earl's wife, she mm-hmm. has gone on a, a little sojourn. First, she goes to her psychiatrist to get some some antidepressants for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, then she has to go to the to the pharmacy to get drugs for Earl, her husband. The doctor has told. Oh, no, she her goes to the doctor. She goes. She goes said, to the doctor. Yeah, I'm going to prescribe you liquid heroin or liquid morphine. Liquid morphine. Liquid morphine. Yeah. You put a couple drops in him, and he's dead. You get it. Basically, I, I don't yeah. say these things, but if you put some in in them, he'll be dead before. It's dead. really strong. Wink, yeah. wink. He'll be dead before dawn. No, no, I'm not. I'm not referencing an Evil Dead movie. I'm just saying that he'll be, you know, dead. So I'm going to lay that on you, um, probably because you're going through withdrawal right now because you thought it would be a our barbiturates and fun week weekend, and it's not. It's yeah. It's, the 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 man that you accidentally fell in love with after after marrying yeah. him for his fucking money is gonna die and you're all alone now you're all you're bummed all about that yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah she goes she goes to her psychiatrist she goes to earl's doctor to get the prescriptions she goes to the pharmacy to get the prescriptions filled and has her first big freak out uh where the pharmacists pharmacy, are yeah. you yeah, have a and, pretty fun and, weekend with all these drugs yeah and she she has one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Do you motherfucker? I come in here. I give these things to you. You look, ask questions, act suspicious. She tells the pharmacist to suck her dick. Yeah. Um, she throws the receipt at him. I mean, it's it's glorious. And but then she's she upset goes, because she's done it before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. Like you said earlier, she's paranoid and she's probably you know been given that sort of attention in the past for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, and then she goes to her lawyer. And which is Michael Murphy, the mayor of mm-hmm. Gotham City. And um, and she says, and the deal with this is she says, I want you to change his will so that I, I don't, don't want- inherit anything. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want any of his money because I feel bad because when I married him, I married him for his money. But then I fell in love with him for real. And now I feel bad about taking his money because I cheated mm. on him. I sucked other men's cocks. I sucked um, so many cocks. I've sucked more cocks than there are cocks in this city. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Dude, I sucked mm-hmm. your cock. What are we doing here? I'm sucking um, it right now. I'm Someone's sucking your cock stopping. right now, dude. Um, and, and the lawyer says, well, look, if you don't want any of the money, then when it's time for the reading of the will, you just renounce it. You just say you won't take anything. And she says, well, then where does the money go? And he says, well, then it'll go to the nearest relative. And she says, what his son, Frank? No, Frank can't get anything. Earl hates Frank. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the mayor of Gotham city says, well, look, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do about it. And, uh, and then she gets up and leaves. She pops a boner out of her mouth and says, what? What? No, sorry, what? what? <laughs> so she gets home and Phil is still on the phone 
with Phil's uh, with, trying, with the, to, Phil is trying to get a hold of Frank. Yeah, and mm -hmm. Linda comes in and Phil's like, Linda, great news. I'm almost on the phone with Earl's long lost son, Frank. Isn't that amazing? And Linda has her next big freak out and she's like, you motherfucker. And she takes the phone and hangs up the phone and smacks the shit out of him and says, you don't do that. This is the family. This is none of your business. He doesn't want to see his son. Fuck you. I'm definitely not going to suck your cock until you come. I'll suck it a little <laughs> bit, but not but, all the way to the end. She makes him cry. She makes him cry um, and also confuses him because he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm. Um, and then she says goodbye to Earl and apologizes to and, Phil. And leaves the morphine. She leaves the morphine. Yeah, she actually and, undoes the morphine. And she unscrews it. Yes. And then screws it back on. She can't do it. Right, right. She's thinking about, yeah, because the, yeah, like you said, the doctor has explained to her, like, if you, once you give him this morphine, that's basically it. Like, even if you don't intentionally use it to euthanize him, like, even if you use it as prescribed, it's so powerful, he'll basically just be in a coma until he dies. Mm -hmm. um, so she's like, no, nah, let Phil do that. And uh, she apologizes to Phil. She apologizes to Phil. And then she, she leaves to go do her suicide attempt. Meanwhile, uh, Frank is getting, he, we see the first part of Frank getting interviewed. We, yeah, we see the first part of Frank's seminar and then they Actually, break for lunch. Frank's getting ambushed. Yes, that's true. Frank is getting interviewed and the interviewer is like, oh, nice to meet you, Frank. It's really cool that you agreed to speak with us. How come everything you say is a lie? How come everything about you is a fucking lie? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> we know it, who you really are. Right. Your mother, mm -hmm. you you because the, the story Frank tells is the is the, the reverse of the truth. He says, actually, my father died, but my mother's still alive. And it's the opposite. His mother died when he was a kid of cancer. And, and his she totally is, supports is, all of this misogyny that I'm spilling <laughs> yes. out all over the place. <laughs> she thinks I'm great. Um, and so once Frank realizes what's going on, That's he just right. clams up. My mom just, is totally alive and she thinks it's great that in fact, I have sex right in front of her with all these ladies that I just pick up. I say, Hey, and they go, I want to have sex with you. In front of you. And my mom's there and she says thumbs up, but she's definitely not on her bed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thing, honey boy, where's your pop pop? And I'm like, I don't know where pop pop is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eight years old. <laughs> so the interview doesn't go well he, he, um, he shuts down he ends up just sitting there silently until time is up and judging then, judging her. yeah i'm quietly judging you mm -hmm. i'm bucking for an oscar yeah, you ain't getting one tom sorry <laughs> you ain't getting one but oh came close as he ever did good uh, performance but nope great performance but yeah he so anyway he gets up and he goes back to his he, he's he's you know on his way out and his assistant shows up with the phone because his his other assistant is the one on the phone with phil back at mm -hmm. you know the old partridge place and so he's he ends up you know he now now he has all this dropped on him after this interview now all of a sudden he's like oh by the way your father is dying of cancer and he wants to talk to you before he dies so now frank is like oh great now this and and he ends up yelling at his assistant on the phone and then hanging up the phone and going in <laughs> to do the other the, the the second half of his seminar and he mm -hmm. has a freak out during that he like mm -hmm. tells him to pick up the wrong book he flips it he, he flips a table flips a table amazing fucking scene um he's really good in this he really he's is amazing he's he had amazing. a lot of he had a lot of uh a problem he had a lot of reservations about yeah. playing this type of part for good reason yeah. he hadn't really yeah. played a fucking scumbag yeah before um but anyway 
Anyway, yeah. he has a freak yeah, out. So he, he does a freak out. He flips the table and then, you know, gets right back into it. Um, and and all, and all the little the little details of his misogyny seminar are just perfect. I mean, it's oh, like God, it's, yeah. it's it's just a notch high enough that you recognize that it's comedy, but it's so true to life. Like they this movie yeah, has you these have to people remember fucking, this is before yeah. <clears throat> all of the fucking pickup artist shows. Yes, that came this is 1999. Yeah, this yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had to go through all um, that bullshit. Now all of the pickup artist bullshit that's on YouTube and yeah, you know, yeah, it's, before it's, people really realize, wow, this is fucking toxic. We oh, this to is real. <laughs> oh shit. Um, he's maybe the most realistic character in the movie, unfortunately. Um, so so you know he he leaves. Um, meanwhile, Stanley pissed Stanley pissed himself on the on the the quiz show and he also has a freak out and he runs out and yeah kind of lets jimmy gator have it and there's then runs one, out there's one and, character you've missed altogether uh quiz kid donnie smith yeah quiz kid donnie smith yes. he's he go he's in love with brad the bartender and that's why he wants to get braces on his teeth because brad the bartender has braces and he's like we'll have that in common so the first thing we see donnie do is he drives his car into a storefront because he's not paying attention mm-hmm then he then he goes to his job, which is a salesman at an electronics store. Except he's about to get fired from that job mm-hmm, by Alfred Molina. He's not um, doing his job because he's not a very good salesman, apparently. So, and also he's borrowed a lot of money from the boss, and now he wants to borrow more money to get braces that he doesn't need because he wants to. He doesn't say this, but because he wants to impress the bartender that he has a crush mm-hmm. on. Um, so he gets fired. He has to turn in his keys. He leaves. He goes to a bar, the bar where Brad the bartender works. And he ends up sitting at the bar next to Henry Gibson because Henry Gibson is his romantic rival for Brad the bartender because Henry Gibson is an old queen who attracts Brad the bartender's attention by waving money at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnie doesn't like this and Donnie nope. feels threatened by this. So he he has you know a good stretch of the movie where it's just him and um, the Henry Gibson character, Thurston Howell, sitting there and kind of mm-hmm. sniping at each other. And, you know, um, and that's all fantastic. Mm-hmm. And 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 he Donnie's drinking and getting drunker and drunker and Thurston Howell is continuing to kind of talk down to him and make fun of him and, and it's just fantastic. And mm-hmm. then he goes to the he 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 goes to the the bathroom and now throws here's up. the thing. Yeah. Really? Thurston Howell. Thurston Howell, which we which is only in the credits. You never hear that in the movie. Like he, the character is not named in the movie. No, He's no just, one ever calls he, him Thurston no. Howell. But that's the fucking name of the millionaire uh, from from Gilligan's from Island. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Anyway, so Donnie just proceeds exactly. to get drunk. They're Donnie watching gets wood. super yeah. drunk. Yeah, and yeah, and they're watching the quiz show mm-hmm. as, and also Claudia is watching the quiz show as well uh, while yeah. she's waiting for Jim to come pick her up. So there's mm-hmm. a little and bit doing of coke. Yeah. and doing coke and um. So Linda, and I think it's right he around leaves. this point that he, he leaves. He leaves, and then we get then we get the the musical montage where they um, all sing yeah. the Amy Mann mm-hmm. song. Um, and that kind of roots everybody where they're at because we, we see them in whatever. The middle of the movie. <laughs> can you guess? Just five can more you, minutes, please. Can, can you guess which part of the musical montage makes me cry almost every time? 
Oh my God! You've never admitted to crying to anything before. I, ever. I, I, there are two parts of this movie that almost always, at least, make me tear up, um, and one of them is during the musical montage. Can you guess? Is it the, Can you... Is it the pan into Jason Robards? No, no, it's not. Okay, is it the pan into? <laughs> There's lots of pan ins. I know. Is it? Is there a camera move of some kind involved? I've got a thing. Is it? Do we see Jim in that montage? Yes. I can't remember. Yes, Jim it's is. Not, he's 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 sitting on the edge of his bed before the date mm -hmm. yeah. it's not the pan into jim i don't know which one is it it's the last one it's the one with stanley when he says because stanley's the one who sings the last line of the song which is so just give up where, where he's in the library he's in the library right that that wrecks me every time why because um, i feel so bad for that kid i don't i feel so bad for that kid and also i mean i like that song and the movie has cast me in its spell by this point and um what and it's like i don't know i just i just think that i i I just I love it, and then it's like the devastating ending of like so just give up, and it's this fucking kid who has a mm -hmm. shitty dad who just pissed himself on TV, and mm -hmm. the only thing he could think of to do is to break into his school library and sit there by himself in the dark and read books. And, and I'm study. just like, oh my god, fucking god. Um, so yeah, that's it. But anyway, so they all they anyway. all do the singing, they all do the singing, and then the movie starts up again, and Frank <laughs> comes. Frank comes to Earl's house, and this is where he says, because Earl has dogs everywhere. Frank comes to Earl's house, and he says, I've come to see my dying scumbag asshole father. Mm -hmm. uh, so just give me a second, and then I'll go in, and Phil, I will drop kick the fucking dogs if they come near me. Right. He goes, goes in, breaks down crying, calling his father an asshole. Yep asshole cocksucker mm -hmm. uh we get to see maybe the best demonstration ever of the tom cruise dramatic clapping acting technique mm -hmm. which is you know yeah yeah that's how time and it's and it's effective it works mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh meanwhile donnie whiz kid whatever his name is yeah. is breaking into the <laughs> breaking into, into the, the electronic ele store electronic yeah. store he steals money and some yeah. other stuff out of the safe he's driving away he then goes, what the fuck am I doing? And he turns yes. around and drives back. Yes. Um, but when he was leaving, he broke the he broke the key off in the lock. Yes. Uh-oh, how's he going to get back in now? Well, I guess what he's going to do is he's going to climb up onto the roof mm -hmm. and drop down in the roof because he's driving up a pipe. And that's when Jim sees him. And he's yeah. like, what the fuck? And so he's going to turn around and go see her, go see him. Mean In the meantime, um, what's her face? Uh, has to overdosed on drugs in her car and a little right. kid um, we haven't mentioned yet up. but he's we he's been in yeah. the movie yeah he he, he, he interacted yeah, with he, jim earlier he interacted with jim and he's he's apparently the the son of the guy who killed the dead guy in marcy's closet in mm -hmm. jim's first scene um and yeah so he he finds linda and calls 911 and also From takes money out phone. of her purse yeah because you know he he she owes it she she owes it to him Mm -hmm. He took your money. She he saved your life. Take the money, kid. Mm -hmm. Um and so the ambulance people come and put her come and get her in the ambulance. Uh, so they're driving to the they're driving to the hospital. To the hospital. Jimmy Gator uh does Went not home. confess to molesting his daughter. No, he uh, says he he ooh. Yeah. So his wife here, here's what here's Here's what happened. He goes home after the after the show because they 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 cancel the show after Stanley has his freak out and leaves. So mm -hmm. they just say fuck it, show's over. And so after Jimmy he Gator goes home. Out, yeah, right? Jimmy Gator collapses. 
uh he goes home his wife at first his wife is kind of doting on him you know and he's talking to her about like you know how are we going to do this what are we going to do um and then jimmy gate it becomes very clear because at, at first it's like well maybe it's complicated this scene is where it she becomes very clear just well, well, well here first yeah. what first what happens is he opens the door by confessing to oh, cheating sure. on her Mm-hmm. And and he's confessing to cheating on her because I mean he doesn't say this but it's clear when you watch it especially when you see what happens next he's doing this to make himself feel better mm-hmm. you know he wants to unburden himself to her so that he can feel better about what he's done so he tells her that he cheated on her and she says oh I guess I you know I'm mad at you but then again I'm not and you know then she says so why doesn't our daughter speak to you and he's like mm-hmm. oh, I don't know I don't know you know. She, she just, I don't know. She's just, it's been like 10 years and I don't know. He's not really that hesitant. He, he comes up with it pretty quickly. He says, well, I well, think she, yeah. she thinks. She thinks I, I may have molested her. May have molested her. And that's when his wife gets up and says, okay, we're good. And, and mm-hmm. she's like, as soon as he, because again, he never actually confesses to it. He nope. never says, yes, I did it. He says, she thinks I did. And then when she pushes him and says, just say it. Like, just say what you've done. And he, he falls back on, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I've done. So she's like, okay, fuck off. And she leaves. Yep. And she tells she him goes, you deserve to die. To yeah. She says, you deserve to die alone for what you've done and, mm-hmm. and walks out. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes he to the kitchen and pulls his gun out of the drawer where he keeps mm-hmm. all of his, you know, old bills <laughs> and, and, and his pistol. <laughs> and, and he's fixing to shoot himself. And I believe now we've gotten to the point where we've caught up to all the individual storylines. Yep. And Jim is turning around to go see what's going on with the guy climbing up on the roof of the electronics store. And all of a sudden, a fucking frog falls on his windshield. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck was that? And he pulls over, he hits the brakes, and he looks out the window, and there's a whole bunch of frogs falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And the frogs fall on Jim and they fall on quiz kid Donnie Smith and knock him off the telephone pole. He's climbing up and he breaks his teeth on the ground. He breaks all of his teeth out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the frogs fall on the ambulance that's taken Linda to the hospital and it, and it turns sideways and skids, but luckily it stops right in front of the emergency room. But luckily she's strapped into the, she's, into the gurney. Yeah. So she's not flying yeah, around. She's, she's you know, like that, but she's okay. Um, the frogs uh fall on uh they they break a window at claudia's place and also they cause they they start falling when claudia's mom when rose jimmy gator's wife is on her way to claudia's and she crashes her car and then runs into the apartment and her and claudia are reunited and they are hugging each other while the frogs are falling Mm -hmm. um the sound of the frogs falling wakes up earl but we forgot Mm -hmm. to mention phil phil give at some point phil gives earl the the morphine yeah um so earl is out of it but the sound of the frogs falling wakes him up for a second and he gets like a last moment of eye contact with his son frank who is at his bedside um and and then he dies and um and then stanley is in the library watching just watching it and and he's the only one who is just sort of it looks at it in wonder you know and he says this mm-hmm. is the thing that happens this is something that happens mm-hmm. um and then that's except for some you know cleaning up afterwards that's basically the end of the movie um you know they take earl's body away it's not the end of the movie well no it's not i mean they take earl's body away uh phil is cleaning up uh, i forgot to mention the dead dog 
the dead yeah it's yeah because yeah, while phil's on the phone trying to get a hold of frank he spills some of earl's pills and one of the dogs eats a few of the pills and that's not good for a dog i guess there must have been chocolate in the pills or something Who knows? um and uh but yeah and and uh the the hospital calls because linda's in the hospital mm -hmm. and uh phil gives the phone to frank who has has also you know he doesn't hasn't gotten along with linda either all these years but you know i guess he figures oh what the hell so we the last we see of frank and linda is frank is on his way walking down the hall of the hospital on mm -hmm. his way to linda's room so linda's okay frank is maybe there's going to be some reconciliation there um stanley goes in to his dad's bedroom while his dad is asleep and says dad you need to be nicer to me and his dad is just like go to bed so you know no real resolution to that um oh we forgot to mention the the frog interrupted jimmy gator's suicide attempt yeah he was about um, to kill himself and the frog he was about hit to him. shoot himself and the frog hit him and then that's the last we see of him it's made mm -hmm. it's implied that maybe his house catches fire but we don't see that mm -hmm. um, and um and then yeah jim helps uh J jim helps quiz kid donnie smith put the money back that he, he stole the first they have a talk they have a talk and he says donnie says you know i i have love to give but i don't know where to put it um and jim decides not to arrest him for mm -hmm. doing what he did and just lets him put the money back and gives him a card and says hey i know a dentist who is good with oral surgery and give me a call and we can work something out um because jim's great because jim is yeah absolutely jim is great and jim has a final little dialogue with himself in the car where he talks about you know forgiveness and what what are we willing to forgive and then we finish on claudia who is you know we don't we hear her mom's voice and then her mom leaves the room and it's just a, a, a shot of claudia in her bed and then we hear jim's voice and jim comes in and jim is has come back to her and is saying things to her and you catch little snippets of it as the as the song is playing the amy mann song is playing and he's you know he tells her that he thinks she's a good person and you know he wanted to tell her that and you know she had said at the restaurant that we they were supposed to be honest and say things and then he let her walk out without saying what he wanted to say um and so you know the idea is like jim hasn't given up on her jim has come back and if she still wants to be with him, then he's willing to be with her. And mm -hmm. Claudia looks and Claudia looks at the camera mm -hmm. and smiles. And Steve cries for the second time. Oh my God in heaven. And then that's the end of the movie. And that's Hooray. the end of the movie. That's the end Hooray, of the movie. Thank God. And then the earth explodes. And then the so, earth explodes and it swallows us all. We don't have a little thing at the end from uh what's his name? From Ricky Ricky J. Oh yeah, there's a narration at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What did he say? He, what does he say? He says, "I have no idea how this." <laughs> Don't ask me what stories, any of this means. Paul didn't tell me how these stories relate to anything we've seen before. He he replay he repeats a line that has been said a couple of times in the movie at this point, which is, uh, um, "And the book says we may be through with the past, but the past ain't through with us." Mm -hmm. Yeah, the end. The end. Steve, Roll just get the it Amy over man. With. See if you can get through your review of this movie without crying. <gasps> I do really like this movie, you know. I know you do. I know you do. And you know what? As much shit what? as I've been given this movie, you know I like this movie too. I do. Yes, we've talked about this. Yes, yes. Not um, as much as you. I don't think that. No, not as much as. But humanly but it fucking was, possible. It would be difficult to like this movie as much as I do. So. I saw this movie in theaters when it came out in 1999. Actually, I think it was probably 2000 by that point because it didn't open wide until 2000. 
but it it's considered a 1999 movie because it opened in it originally opened in December. Yeah, I cut down. They had a limited opening. A limited opening for yeah for for Oscar Mm -hmm. eligibility in December of 99. So I was it was almost it was early January when I first saw it. Yeah, that makes sense. It opened it opened wide on January 7th. Yeah. So yeah. And I w- and I wanted to see it because I had read reviews of it and seen it on Siskel and Ebert and I was and it's Paul Thomas Anderson and I had seen Boogie Nights and I was I was a fan you know so I was interested to see it. I saw it in the theater six times, which at the time was the record for me. It was I, I saw it in the theater more times than I had ever seen a movie in a theater. Um, I did a few years later. I saw Spider Man two seven times, so that broke the record. But for a while, Magnolia was the record. You saw Spider Man um, two seven times. I saw Spider Man two. I saw Spider Man two seven times in the theater. I I I dragged people to the theater to see Spider Man two. I went I went to Spider Man two with my dad. I said, Dad, we're going to see Spider Man two. Come on. And he was like, Okay. I think you right. liked it. Okay. That one made you cry too, didn't it? Well. All through it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're when talking Willem about when Willem Dafoe says "Avenge me" from the mirror. I just lose mm. it. Uh, <laughs> not the train scene. The Willem Dafoe screaming from the mirror scene. Anyway, it is definitely uh, the train scene. It's totally it the train. Of course, it's the train scene. Of Don't worry, it's the train scene. We're not going to tell nobody. Oh. And you just go. I just, I just, I just sob. I sob in the theater, and everybody looks back at me. And then when like, they want, all... are you watching the same movie? When Doctor Octopus rips open the thing and steps in, and everyone steps in front of him. Oh yeah! You know, who's gonna stop me? And, and the guy looks Every... as nervous as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, I'll stop you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, he's just a kid. Yeah, no older than my son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's thirty-three, like Toby McGuire. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> so your son's like an adult. I mean, I know you love your son, but like, that's a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh anyway, God. so yes, I I love this I love this movie. Um here's one of the many things I love about it. I love its audacity. Um mm. this this can be a bad thing if it's employed by a less talented filmmaker, but from a, a filmmaker with the skills and the instincts to back it up, audacity is one of the most thrilling qualities a filmmaker can have for me. Paul Thomas Anderson is an audacious filmmaker he takes big swings he goes for it and it's not just that he takes big swings because like i said a lot of filmmakers take big swings and they miss paul thomas anderson takes big swings and more often than not he hits the ball because he knows what to swing at magnolia is not a terribly subtle film nope uh there are subtleties to be found in it for sure but the story itself and you know the most of the big memorable moments like the important stuff is right out there in the open uh the story is this big sprawling thing that reaches out and pulls in all these characters who are from all over but you know at the same time they're 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 spread out but they're also very close to each other uh geographically and also thematically the story arranges them in groups there are basically two major clumps of characters um there's the clump that kind of is centered on Earl, and then there's the clump that's kind of centered on Jimmy Gator. And then there are a few that kind of are around well, the edge. The major you know? clump is they're all associated with that goddamn quiz show. They're all they're all they're all connected by TV. Yeah. But um, the only one that's decent isn't. Is Phil, who is not, yes, who is an who is a caretaker for Earl, but I'm, is not. Well, okay, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah. The two that are not. Because Phil's oh, Jim, really that's true. Jim. Yeah, Jim. 
And yeah, and actually, um, so the the first the, the the TV connection is important because of the character when when we meet the characters, the first character we meet is Frank, and the first time we see Frank is on TV. So that's yep. established as important from the very beginning. But yeah, you're right. Jim and Phil, who are the two most uncomplicated good characters in the movie, not only are they not connected to the TV show or the TV business in any way that we see, they're also the only ones that we never see watching the game show. Mm -hmm. um, we, we see Phil watching TV when he's clicking through the porn channels to try and find the number for Frank's thing, but he's yeah. not watching the game show. He's not watching the quiz show. And, and Jim is not watching the quiz show. The, uh, most of the other characters are either connected to the quiz show directly, or we see them watching the show at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so each individual character has their own storyline. And it has a meaning in its own right. And they all also, not all of them, but they, to various other characters in the story, they have these other, these deeper connections and they're, they're connected by the TV show. Um, they're, they're connected by illness. You know, the two old patriarchs that are at the center of the two groups of characters are both dying of cancer. Um, they're connected by pain and regret. Uh, Jimmy and Earl have both done awful things in their pasts. Um, they're connected as parents and children. Both Jimmy and Earl are profoundly failed parents. Mm -hmm. uh, Claudia and Frank are both deeply damaged children, as is Donnie, as is Stanley. Yeah. Uh, and this is also something the parents thing is 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 introduced in the prologue the same as like the strange coincidences theme um because the final of those three stories is about a teenager who uh, commits suicide and also loads the shotgun in the hope that his parents will kill each other as well because he's mm. tired of his of his his abusive constantly fighting parents ruining his life and the final image before we cut to the credits is of the kid next door who told the police what happened. And that's not a random choice that the last person we see in that prologue before we get into the actual story is a little kid who has also been damaged by the thoughtless actions of, of abusive adults. So they're connected by all these different thematic things. And the story is driven by people reaching out. Phil reaches out to find Frank for Earl. Jim and Claudia reach out to each other. Donnie is reaching out in his own sad way yep. to Brad, the bartender. Claudia tries. Claudia, yes, Jim, yes, yes. Jim perseveres. Jim really is doing most of the reaching, but Claudia is receptive, and Claudia clearly needs that. Mm -hmm. um, and what's really remarkable with these characters, some of these characters get what they want and get what they deserve, and some of them don't. But what's remarkable is how compassionate the movie is to to these people with the with the exception of jimmy and we'll get to jimmy in a second uh but for the most part anderson is very non-judgmental of these characters and he even appears to be non-judgmental toward jimmy gator until the the until the other shoe drops and we figure out what the deal is with him mm -hmm. uh but we he doesn't sugarcoat these people frank Mackey is a sexist asshole and there is no denying that and well, a lot of what we and a lot of what we see from him in the movie is just inexcusable but there's the they leave a little just enough doubt yeah about whether this is all just a hustle well yeah which is always is this just a hustle and con that he's latched himself onto um, in order to make money. In order, this is a con. This is he knows it's bullshit. He's telling in them things that they yeah. want to hear that will make these guys feel empowered. Yes, um, but he's using all of the wrong. It's it's been my suspicion for a lot of these fucking you know you know pickup artist bullshit. 
Sure. Is that, you know, and we've seen it played out in, in YouTube when you find out that one of the most popular pickup artists still lives at home in his mom's lives with basement. His mom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but I also think with Frank, a lot of it has to do with he, he enjoys the thrill of other people looking up to him. Mm hmm seeing him as a hero and as a source of wisdom and he clearly enjoys that when those those parts of his seminar that we see he clearly gets off on you know being able to present himself as the guy who knows the answer you know and he's going to tell you he even says that at one point you've come here for me to enlighten you you know mm -hmm. um and yeah but again yeah i mean he's he's a deeply damaged child mm-hmm um, he, he's, it does, it's not an excuse, but it humanizes him. The film asks us to, asks us to consider the fact that yes, this guy is an asshole, but look at where he comes from. Look at what yeah. he's been through in his life. Look at what he, you look can at look the, at, yeah. You, know, yeah, you can take a look at the Frank Mackey character and you can go, okay, he had to deal with one of the most horrific things that a child would ever have to deal with alone. And that is the death of a parent. And it's the death of his mother yeah. of all things. It's the and, death of his mother after mm -hmm. his father was already gone. Yeah. And you can so take he, a look yeah. at this whole pickup artist thing. Cause it's kind of intimated that this is armor that he's used to surround himself with very much so that he very doesn't much. feel love. He doesn't want to risk that again, um, yeah. which makes me very sympathetic to the character. Cause quite honestly, out of, even though he says some awful, wretched, misogynistic yeah. things in his program, I don't think that's who he really is underneath all of that. He's still willing to go back and talk and confront his father. And despite the fact that he's calling him an asshole when he's breaking down, he's breaking down because his father is dying. Yes. Yes. Which by the way, is something that he's already had to do once before yeah. with his mother. So yeah. I don't, I, as far as the, the Frank character goes, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe him and his bullshit. I don't believe his, his, yeah. I don't believe that. I think it's, he's being relatively successful with this whole pitch. Mm -hmm. Now the pickup artist thing, but I think it's a hustle. I think it's a way for him to feel protected and safe from emotions that he probably doesn't want to confront. Right. So Anyway. Yeah, I agree. I I know I agree with you, and yeah. I do. I I also I think he's a very sympathetic character, and I think one of the one of the great things that the movie does with him is that it doesn't it doesn't sugarcoat the bad stuff, but nope. it it like I said, it humanizes him. It lets you see mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, maybe there there are things about him that are sympathetic, um, and so yeah, and the only character that I feel is is actually judged in the movie is Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And again, that and that doesn't happen until late because we don't actually find out. I mean, there are hints, and when you after you've seen the movie a couple of times, you can tell mm -hmm. like ob it's obvious. The first the first scene between Jimmy when Jimmy comes to Claudia's apartment, the way she is toward him, it's like, oh, okay, that makes perfect well, sense. They also set you it know? up so that she's a drug addict and a loser that sleeps with strangers, right? Right. So it's like, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take, I mean, how many, how many times does this happen in real life where like a child who is sexually abused grows up and has these problems? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, but the difference between, between Jimmy and Earl, other than the, the severity of the crimes, because even though, I mean, Earl is Earl, you know, leaving his dying wife and, and son and never coming back. Like that's pretty high on the list of shitty things you can do, mm -hmm. but it's not as bad as being a child molester. So Jimmy's actual offense is worse than Earl's. Jimmy's real offense, why it's worse, is that 
Earl um, comes to the realization that what he did was wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, admits, that's what I was. He, that's, yeah. he admits to to Phil that he loved both of them. And, and, that, and that the greatest. He, yeah. His greatest, the greatest regret. regret of his life was mm -hmm. was what he did was was walking out on his wife. He never um, ever says that he stopped loving his wife. No, and that what he no. did was a mistake. He blames and, himself for all of it. Yeah, and Jimmy says, "I don't know," which is exactly. horseshit. He knows that's exactly what he did. Exactly, that's the diff. That's the difference, and mm -hmm. that's why. And that, as as I read the film, that's why Earl gets that final fleeting moment of reconnection with his son and Jimmy gets a suicide attempt that is thwarted by a falling frog. Here's and the thing. Then, I think the house does catch on fire so that the wife and the daughter can get the insurance money. <laughs> well, there are, I mean, I was thinking about the, I was thinking about this earlier today because I usually don't think about movies like this. I usually don't try to project what happened sure. after the movie was over. Mm -hmm. um, but in Jimmy's case, it's, it's, um, it's tempting to do that because it does leave him like he's going to kill himself. And then the frog stops him from shooting himself, but the gun does go off and the gun hits a TV, uh, um, uh, a TV and which, you know, symbolism. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, and then we also see like a spark in the electrical outlet and smoke. And the implication oh, yeah. is that there's going to be a fire. But then there's no follow up on that. Like we never see Jimmy again. We never see any confirmation that the house caught fire or anything. We see him on the so floor. Yeah, we see him on the floor, but then that's it. So you, yeah, it could be that the house burns down and his wife and daughter get insurance money. Hope he burns it could, alive. It could be that the house burns down and Jimmy gets out, but he loses everything. Mm -hmm. um, because because my my feeling is uh, the what he did to Claudia is going to come out. People are going to find out about that. So he's going to spend his final days dying of cancer in pain alone. and agony and alone with not even his reputation. Like he will be completely, he will, he will lose everything. His legacy will be gone. Everybody will know what he did. His house mm -hmm. is burned down. So he doesn't even have a place to live. And like, and that's, and that's the difference between his fate and Earl's because Earl is sorry. Earl does have regret. Earl does want to make it right. Even though he can't, he wants to, he knows he should. And Jimmy doesn't have any of that. Jimmy won't admit to it even when his wife directly confronts him with it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the difference. Um, and yeah, and then, and then the, the, you know, the movie ends with Jim and claudia and they're the characters that make the connection and that's the the note that that we're left on you know mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i think i think magnolia is one of the great works of cinematic humanism um mm -hmm. the movie seems to be saying there are good people and bad people but we're all born into the same world we don't all start out or end up in the same places and a lot of that is due to stuff we just have no say in Mm -hmm. uh, we make choices and there are consequences, but sometimes shit just happens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and sometimes people get what they deserve and sometimes they don't. So, you know, and I mean, as a, as a storyteller, Paul Thomas Anderson is a great balance of a show off director and an actor's director, because there are a lot of really complex, really impressive camera moves and artsy fartsy director stuff in this movie. But there are also scenes where he just parks the camera on an actor's face and lets them do the work. Mm -hmm. And there's a great balance of that. 
that it's there's a it's very visually dynamic but it also he knows when to just let tom cruise take over you know or let philip seymour hoffman take over um or let julianne moore take over and holy shit i mean mm -hmm. when julianne when julianne moore is doing some of the stuff that she does in this movie as linda where she's having these epic emotional breakdowns like you it's like why would i need who wants to move the camera for this like mm -hmm. like you don't need it let's fucking lock that fucker down and point it at her she's got it right um and i mean the move like i said audacity the movie takes risks uh frogs falling from the sky is a risk that's something that could and i think in a lot of cases when the movie first came out did take people out of the movie like mm -hmm. that happened and people were like oh fuck this you know like that that was that was too far it was like they've been watching this movie for two and a half hours and now there's fucking frogs crawling from the sky and they're like what the fuck is this it was too much so it's a risk it doesn't work for everybody the amy mann sing-along is a risk that's a big bold audacious choice to have a mm -hmm. montage where the characters the characters are all singing along to the same song and it's not a diegetic song I mean, they're not all listening to that song. You could nope. say, I mean, I, maybe Claudia is because we've established that Claudia is an Amy Mann fan. She plays as near as I can tell, but, Amy Mann is the only musical artist in the world. In the entire world. It's like No Holds Barred, where wrestling is the only thing on TV. <laughs> uh, the only the only music is Amy Mann. Oh, and also Desiree, because, because Donnie Smith always plays the same fucking Desiree song. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and... Um, so yeah, I mean, and the the Claudia smiling at the end. Um, mm -hmm. she, she breaks the fourth wall in the final moment of the movie. But leading up to that, there are so many instances where Anderson, as the storyteller, is leaning on the fourth wall really heavily. He never actually breaks it until Claudia does the George Reeves smile. But um, he's leaning on the fourth wall a lot. There's the use of the narrator. There's the scene where when Phil is on the phone with the guy trying to get a hold of Frank and Phil actually says, this is the scene in the movie where the guy tries to get in touch with the long lost son. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the scene. There's, there's things like that all throughout the movie where it's not actually breaking the fourth wall, but it's 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 getting awfully fucking close. It's flirting with it. And then Claudia finally just does it in the last shot. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite films. Um, Anderson has said in recent years that if he had to do it over again, he would cut it down and make it shorter because now even he thinks it's too long. <laughs> uh, I'm obviously sympathetic to that as a frequent crybaby about long running times, but personally, I would not cut a second out of this. I wouldn't change a thing about it. I, um, I wouldn't add anything to it either. I don't think it needs to be any longer, <laughs> um, but I wouldn't take anything away from it. It's, it's a beautiful human story. It's filled with amazing performances from these actors. And it's a really, it's just, it's a showpiece as a writer and a director for, for Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it's three hours long. And every time I watch it, the only thing I want to do when it's over is watch it again. So there you go. That's what I have to say. Your turn. Okay. I, I can like play some Amy Mann if it'll wake you up. Shut up. I'll go right <laughs> to sleep. I'll go right to sleep. I'll be... <laughs> Oh, what's that, Amy? Nap time? Sounds good to me. Um, I like the movie. I agree with the director. Cut this down. <laughs> Here's the thing. The little vignettes about the incredible coincidences at the very beginning exposes an insecurity about it, about the about the climax of the film being a rain of frogs. Right? Chop it off. Nothing that happens in the very beginning with those three vignettes 
feed anything into what's going on here. We don't need a narrator talking about coincidences and bullshit. Just start it where it's going to start with these people. And that's the litmus test. When you get to that point about two hours in or however long it is into the movie, Mm -hmm. when it starts raining frogs, if you're involved, you don't give a shit. If you're not involved, you go, you throw up your hands and go, okay, what the fuck is this now? (laughs) That's it. But putting the little things at the front, didn't need it. Why is it Ricky J? I have no fucking idea why it's Ricky J. I mean, he was the only one that agreed to do it. I don't care. We don't need it. The movie doesn't need it, um, especially since it doesn't really feed into anything else that's going on. The whole point of this is that we have all of these characters. They're all, all of their lives are touched one way or another to each other. And there is this night that occurs where all this shit happens. And that's what I like about it. I don't need resolutions for everybody. More than likely, you know, Claudia's going to go back to cocaine, break Jim's heart. You know, who knows? I mean, the the, the part of me that wants a happy ending, you know, they're going to be together and they're going to be happy. No. Oh, Donnie's going to get his teeth fixed and he's going to become best friends with Jim. And it's like, I don't know that either. I don't know if he doesn't go to jail for breaking into his former workplace twice. He's got to be on camera at least one of those times, right? I don't know. Honestly, don't know what's going to happen with Linda and Frank when they see each other in the hospital. Yeah, She's awake. She might have another conniption fit. So you can't be here. You can't. And then she tries to kill herself again. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that she's going to inherit all that money. Still don't know what's going to happen to Frank. Quite honestly, don't care. Frank got a little bit of catharsis. Who knows? Maybe that might change his life. We don't know. Movie's not going to tell you. This is just an evening in these people's lives as they're all tied together through this ridiculous fucking game show that makes no sense. It's a live, <laughs> it's a live game show on cable. Yep. That apparently everybody that everybody watches yeah. in the afternoon where kids compare compete with adults and they answer some of the fucking most difficult questions asked of anybody, right? And this poor kid has to you know, answer questions. Are there weaker parts? Sure. The current quiz kid who pees himself, is that a particularly strong part of the movie? Not really. What is, he, what is he trying to say? Not sure, right? The kid needs to stand up for himself or something. What happened to his mom? I don't remember. She his laughed. mom's never even mentioned, I don't think. Yeah, or something like that. Um, but I like it. And I think it's mostly because I like the characters. The acting is very strong. The writing is also very strong. And then he puts in things that is very much like, this is a movie. When everyone starts singing or lip syncing, (laughs) that's like, okay, I think I said this to you. This needs to be cut the fuck out. Okay. We know this is a movie. You don't need to remind us it's a movie. We're not that gullible. We're not going to forget who Tom Cruise is. Just because he's, you know, <laughs> playing a character that we don't normally see. Um, but I like I like the storytelling. I know that we're kind of switching places here, but it is a little long. There are a lot of, I think I've said this before, there are a lot of montages about the characters. They're saying dialogue, but the Amy man is playing so loud that we can't really hear what they're saying. We have a few of those um, mm-hmm. in the film. Granted, they kind of have to do it because they have so many characters and they're trying to tell stories for all of them. I never really feel like, oh, well, I wish I had gotten more out of this character or whatever. There's a definite clear line about the characters who we're following and we give a shit about and who are not following and we don't give a shit about. The little kid. The little kid finds Linda in her car 
at what 10 30 at night the guy's the kid's eight years old yeah what is he doing on the streets well, he's not going to school apparently well that was um, what he remembered that in his scene with jim where officer jim says oh, shouldn't right. you be at school and he says my teacher was sick and jim mm -hmm. says you don't have substitute teachers and he's like nope <laughs> but i like it's it's the story about a whole bunch of really broken people and what i've always wondered what i've wondered about this movie in particular is what would happen if jim and phil were plucked out of this movie what would happen to all these characters Fucked up bad shit is what would happen to yeah. all of these characters. I mean, if 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 his if his nurse had been just someone who's there to pass the time, right? Uh -huh. One never would have given him the morphine because that because they don't have an established relationship. The first time that he yelled at her, she would probably leave or he would probably leave, you know, would not give a damn about what's going on in the house, not give a damn about Linda, not give a damn about anything. And he would probably not die that night. Um, and also no one would contact Frank to let Frank know right. that the guy's dying, you know, with Jim. Jim would never have met Claudia. Um, you know, he never would have met Donnie, you know, to provide support to Donnie at the end of it, um, which kind of proves that those two characters, are the only characters that are functional in this movie, are the only ones that can actually do anything because they're more connected with their emotions. You know, they feel it's wrong to ignore something that's happening right in front of them. You know, the most, the, the most humanitarian part of this movie is when Jim just sits down in that gas station with Donnie and just lets Donnie talk and listens and listens yeah. and right. do, does what he said, what he tells Claudia that he can do. Cause yeah. I, I feel like that's a little bit of Jim's arc. Cause Jim, you know, cause he, in, in the scene with Claudia, he tells her, you know, he says repeatedly like, I can listen, but then he keeps talking. Mm -hmm. But with Donnie, mm -hmm. yeah, all he does is sit there and listen. Yep. Yeah. And so then he goes back to Claudia. Oh, and symbolically, he gets his, God gives him his gun back. Yes. Jesus gives him his gun. Jesus gives him his gun oh, back. Or whatever going, it was that caused the rain of fish or the rain of, I'm sorry, the rain, the rain of, of frog. <laughs> rain of fish would be silly. That would be, yeah. And who could take a movie seriously if it was fish? That would have broken the suspension of disbelief for me. It's, yeah. But uh, is it a movie that I watch on the regs? No. Is it a movie that I would watch six times? No. Um, I like the movie. I, th I think the movie's great. But there are certain things that I would definitely change. And boy, it didn't leave me in a good mood after I was done. I, was, mm -hmm. I wasn't like, yay, everything's fixed. I'm like, yay, nothing got fixed. Yay. I think out of Paul, I think that he matured a great deal between this movie and and there will be blood there oh, will be blood that he is not attempting to impress anyone with his camera work or how he presents the story he just he just presented the story got the shots that he wanted i never felt like he's trying to take us out of the movie or the setting at any point yeah no there will be blood is much more mature yeah than it's a, magnolia. it's, it's yeah. a grown-up movie magnolia leans more towards I, i'm still just fresh out of college guys i just i just wanted I, I started writing this one story and now it's and now it's 15 stories <laughs> now it's 15 and stories <laughs> and i'm gonna tell them all at the same time Fuck it <laughs> and i'm putting in the narrated framing device and there's going to be a lip syncing part in the middle of it. And I'm going to have people break the fourth wall all the time. And, <laughs> and it's like, he, I think he learned after that, 
those are just affectations. That's just bullshit. It's all just bullshit. Tell your story, right? Just tell you tell the story you want to tell. I would extract all the fourth wall bullshit and the and the lip syncing part mm-hmm. and the narr and the narrator from the beginning at the end. That goes unexplained. I don't need an explanation for him, but it kind of draws me out of the film. And it does feel like, and this is why we have frogs. So shut up. We have frogs because we said these things about the guy. The guy, remember the guy who was in the tree and the guy who got shot falling out of a window and the guy, the guy who got beat up by guys named after a street. Well, that's what this is. It's not. It's no one mentions frogs at all. This is just unsuddenly frogs. I can live with and suddenly frogs and so, in this script. Great title, by the way. Great alternate title for the movie. Can't, bit of a bit of a spoiler, but you know, <laughs> and suddenly frogs, and suddenly frogs. Um, but I still like it. I still think it's a good movie. Um, it doesn't. I never cried watching it. Um, I do care about some of the the characters, but I care about the characters who are honestly trying to be good. None of these people, like I said, Jim and Phil are trying to be good, mm-hmm. and they are good. Um, everyone else is just fucked up pieces of shit. All of them, you know, for one reason or another, they're a fucked up piece of shit. And some of the, I mean, I feel bad for Claudia because that was not yeah. her fault. What happened to Claudia is not her fault. Um, and she's been apparently sitting on a secret for decades. Yeah. He kept it from her mom and kept it from everybody else. Um, but I mean, everyone else, they're in control of their lives. I feel a little bad for Dawn, Dawny, because yeah. his parents fucked him over. Yeah. Right. Um, but everyone else, fuck them. You, you did it. Frank, Frank could have had a different life had his father not been an asshole. Right. He could have grown up, become a, a TV producer at his own right or whatever. But his dad abandoned her for fucking Linda because I guess mm. she sucked his cock good. I don't know. Among I, I many never, others. I guess. <laughs> But I thought it was good. I think the performances are good. Um, I don't, I'm never, I, I get, ask me in 10 years what the movie's about um, because it might change. Right now, the movie yeah. feels like it's about, it's about regret and about seeking forgiveness as soon as you can. Um, unless you're a fucking child molester, in which case I, I really wish that we cut back to the house and he's dancing around on fire in his kitchen. <laughs> It's just, it's the fucking, it's, it's uncle, uh, uncle Owen from star Wars. He's just a, a charred <laughs> skeleton I want to see in the front yard. He's, he's on fire trying, <laughs> trying to reach for the gun so he can put himself out of his misery, but the gun keeps getting pushed further away. And he's just like, ah, oh, damn. And then the TV that he shot earlier breaks free of its moorings <laughs> right on top of his head. <laughs> And he's not dead yet. You can hear him like he's still like uh, yeah. as he burns up and the TV melts on him. And then, you know, headline next day. And TV then Amy Mann comes in with a guitar <laughs> lying on a cot. <laughs> Amy Mann is pushed in on a cot. With like strumming, this. Yeah. Absent-mindedly strumming a guitar. <laughs> so it was good. Steve, recommend? Yes, Plastic. absolutely. Very yeah, classic. Recommend. Absolutely. Recommend classic. Okay, Steve. Now it's time for you to not recommend something. Yeah. So, so, so the kind of movie that Magnolia is, which is, you know, the ensemble movie with a lot of different parallel stories. Um, that's something that's been done frequently in movie history. I think mm-hmm. probably Robert Altman is, is considered the master of it. Yeah. Um, he, he, there's multiple Altman movies that are, that are like this. Um, mm-hmm. 
most of which are fucking fantastic. Um, but there's another filmmaker that has used this kind of format in the Quentin past. Tarantino. Well, uh, I guess Tarantino has done this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Tarantino. Yeah. But I guess we think of those as Tarantino movies, so I don't really put them in that. But no, I was thinking of a far lesser filmmaker. Hmm. <laughs> Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. That's who I was thinking of. You read my mind. Was it really? Okay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The, and actually I didn't, I didn't plan it this way, but it just so happens with the, the scheduling of our recording, people will hear this after today. Uh, but the day that we are recording this, this episode is actually mother's day. Yes, it is. Happy, and the movie happy I, mother's day. All you mothers. And, and the movie I'm not recommending. Can I make this mother is, is mother's day. Did he, that's not true. That's not a real movie. There's a that's movie called a, mother's day. I know by, he was doing by, all of the, he was making romantic yeah. comedies about all he of them. Did, what he did what he did Valentine's Day, he did Mother's Day, and he did New Year's Eve, I think. Um okay. but yeah, Mother's Day is the one I'm not recommending. And I would like to quote from the review for Mother's Day, written by Richard Roper. Okay. Headline Mother's Day. Stupid crap fest should never be seen or heard. <laughs> Here's some more of what Richard Roper has to say about the movie. This movie never should have seen the light of day or the dark of theater. Mother's Day is Gary Marshall's third star-studded, mawkish, bloated, holiday-themed film with intertwining characters and storylines. First, there was the mediocre Valentine's Day. Then we were subjected to the sappy but relatively harmless New Year's Eve. But nothing could have prepared us for the offensively stupid, shamelessly manipulative, ridiculously predictable and hopelessly dated crap fest that is mother's day so Good i will just you. leave you i will just leave you with that that is my not recommendation gary Can marshall's I, mother's I day i have a question for you yes why did you watch it um it's okay we're safe this is a safe place morbid curiosity okay <laughs> morbid curiosity and what did that get you steve nothing exactly nothing Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. heartache <laughs> heartache and a feeling of emptiness well as you guys know i like to read i like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and it's the year 2000 <laughs> and the movie i'm not recommended is baby geniuses because that's when that infected us oh that's man. when that came around yeah. that's when someone said hey let's let's make a movie that starts babies that talk and they were like what was, yeah it'd be like you know the the what was the name of the baby talking movie look who's talking look who's talking it'll be like that but yeah. they're talking in real life because they're geniuses and i'm like why would we want <laughs> to make that i don't know get someone to play the spooky doctor oh, okay and we'll just film it and a bunch of morons will fucking watch it and then we'll make 900 more of these fucking insipid pieces of shit because people like watching manipulated babies dance yeah. and talk we can and just pump like, them out that's right there's some there's a screw loose if you enjoy watching if you think it's cute or funny to watch computer computer manipulated babies dance yeah. do anything or talk at all period full stop you the need the best be thing but a baby can do is lay there and stay still and not make any noise occasionally smile occasionally smile no a giggling <laughs> baby's great a giggling baby's great and i think i've said on this show that i like nothing more than hearing a child have an absolute fucking meltdown in yes. in public 
that in is public. My, and and, and you even you egg it on. You egg it on. To, if I think yeah. I can get away with it. If you can get like away with it without the parent seeing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the kid is melting down because they want candy, I will pick up the candy that they are reaching for and just hold it next to me like this. <laughs> oh, I love having this candy. Mm. My favorite. As they fucking realize the world's not fair, mama. <laughs> mama, the world. So yeah, don't watch it. Baby Geniuses sucks. Baby all Geniuses. Hair. Don't. It's got Christopher Walken in it. No, not Christopher Walken. Chris, Christopher Lloyd, isn't it? Christopher Lloyd. Yes. Oh boy, I Walken. wish Christopher Walken was in it. That one, that's when we would see his suicide. I don't think he could survive. I, I wish Christopher Walken from Geely was in it. <laughs> Stop it. Your tongue will slap your brains out. I hope they do it. I hope someone re-releases Geely, in which all of the adult characters, except for Christopher Walken, are now paid played by computer played by, by CGI babies. babies. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. Uh, Gonna take this baby to Marie Callender's. <laughs> that's why the that's why the pie has to be in a bowl. Because of the baby, yeah. It'll you, make gotta a mess. Mush, you gotta yeah. mush it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You gotta mush it up. You can't just give a baby a piece of pie and expect them to know what to no. do with it. Open wide, baby. They won't even know it's food until they accidentally it won't even put their register, hand in yeah. their mouth. It won't even register with that baby what that's for. He'll be just like, "What? whatever, fuck you. <laughs> hey, Steve, guess what? It's it's your birthday next. It's my birthday next. And I get to pick a birthday movie because yes, it's my show do. and I get to pick one. I can't wait to hear what your birthday movie is going to be. Okay, so you're going to... All right, so here's the thing. Okay. As I've said, uh, as I told the patrons in the uncut version of this, I've been... I I watched this movie, which is depressing, and then I tried to break myself out of the depression by watching The Road, and that didn't work either. Didn't work, did it? Weird. And I was sitting on what my birthday movie was going to be, and I chose... I was. It was either going to be Hawk the Slayer... Oh. I showed you the preview for Hawk this Yes. Week. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, but we that talked just, about that last time. I think that's, I watched it and it was a little more hot. It was, it's fucking awful. Um, but <laughs> it was a little too upbeat for me. So I oh. chose, I chose a more depressing. Um, I don't know what's going on with me, Steve. Tell me, tell me, okay, tell me, make so it real, make it real. Say it out the loud. Movie, the movie that we're going to review for my birthday stars Peter McNichol. Ralph Richardson. Oh. Yeah, you're trying to figure that out. And nobody else. A bunch of British <laughs> a bunch of British people. The guy who plays the guy who plays the Emperor is in it. The movie that we're going to review is the surprisingly very depressing Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. That's right. Cool. So, I don't you wanna, think I've ever seen that. Oh, you yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. There's no whimsy in it at all. People get <laughs> This is for Magnolia, you motherfucker. Even though it has, you know, even though it's fantasy, it's not like, oh, there are elves and little spriglets and gugas and whatever. It's it's dark. It's such a dark look. Oh, no gugas? No little gugas. No, no nothing. A lot of a lot of depressed people in the dark ages being depressed. So if you guys I'm selling this good, aren't I? (laughs) But I did remember everything that I loved about it. So if you guys want to get all the jokes and understand what kind of fucked up life I had when I was 12 and this was my favorite movie, then please go out and watch Dragon Slayer. I'm sure you can find it somewhere, somewhere out there. It's, it's 
Disney helped distribute it. I don't think it's on the Disney Channel though, but Dragon Slayer. So <laughs> they, they won't put it on their streaming service. Got a dragon in it. It's got a wizard battle where a wizard fights a dragon. It's got n- naked people. I don't know. The only thing that's missing are machine guns. I wish <laughs> the wizard conjures machine guns to fight the dragon. I don't know. Naked anyway. people firing machine guns. Oh, that works. Anyway, that's it. Thanks, guys, for listening in. Sorry for all the depression, but you know it's Steve's birthday. <laughs> what did you expect? It's it's appropriate. It's it's seasonally appropriate. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. And for what I would like to say, I can't. This was not just a matter of chance. Oh, these strange things happen all the time. What strange things? Does it, yeah, every two weeks or so. Getting we together do a and recording yeah. a review for a movie. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I wouldn't really. These, yeah, I wouldn't say it's strange per se. I mean, every once in a while we'll have a disagreement about a film, but we're amicable about it, right? Yes, yes. What's strange about it then? Oh, you got me. I don't know. Is it the clown suit? Should I take it off? You. You haven't complained. We've done two hundred and sixteen of these things. That's yeah. Well, did it get worse when I cut it out on the? I cut out my on the, nipples. On the nipples, yeah. No, I, I, you know what it was? I think I just stopped seeing it at a certain point. It just okay. Well, here, if you, you want to see it, let me the, put some green makeup on the nipples. Oh, to really accentuate it. There yeah, you really, go. There now you go. now so, it pops. Now, no, now the nipple yeah, really pops. See, yeah. yeah. That feels good doing it. Okay. Yeah. All right. That might cool. that so, might actually cheer me up after all these depressing things, guys. I'm actually rubbing my nipple right now for some reason. I don't know why. I don't. This is. This is just a, a, this isn't even a visual gag. This is supposed to be an auditory gag. Of course, the people at Patreon could see me rubbing my nipple. And now I've been talking about rubbing my nipples for way too long. Oh, Steve, something bad's happened to me. I don't know what it is. I think, I think, I I think Magnolia did it. I'm going to blame Magnolia. You know, you can always blame Magnolia, whatever your problems may be. But at a certain point, you do have to take some personal responsibility. Says who? Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.